Welcome to the 22nd ACC Now podcast. I'm News and Observer Sports columnist Luke DeCock. Our guest today is Wake Forest coach Steve Forbes, who's turned around a traditional ACC powerhouse. Uh, Deacons are 22 and 8 and 12 and 7 going into Wednesday's game against NC State. Senior night for one uh, Wake Forest senior who's been there for all four years, Isaiah Bucius. So, Steve, what is what is the secret sauce that you can take these guys who really two years ago didn't know you, didn't yeah. know each other, had only Isaiah Bucius, I think, had even ever been to Wake Forest. Uh, you've done it during a pandemic where there's not the campus life to speak of. What's what's the trip? Why have you been able to do this when, when so many other coaches and programs have really struggled building a team that looks as connected as yours does on the court? Well, look, thanks for having me. You know, I think probably I would go back to my 11 years of junior college experience um, as a as a head coach, assistant coach, where you have a lot of roster turnover, you know, every year you guys coming and going. So it's not something that I had ne- had never done before, you know, and so I had a lot, I had experience in dealing with, you know, new players, a lot of new players. And when I got the job at East Tennessee State, um, my first year, I think I brought in 10 new guys, you know, we won 24 games that first year and gave the program hope and got the fans excited and then stacked 27, you know, 25, 24, 30 after that. Um, you know, I felt like this program needed the same thing. Now, it's like putting together a puzzle, in my opinion. You can't put all the same pieces together. They don't, they don't go together. And so you have to have, you know, different skill sets, different strengths, different weaknesses, different personalities. And it's, it was hard because you, you said it. You know, I didn't get to go out and recruit. I did it just like you and I are doing it right now, you know, talking on a video screen on Zoom or – on the phone or, you know, and it comes back to some relationships too, you know, 33 years in the business, um, knowing the right people in my situation, getting the right answers, trusting what they had to say. And then you had to get them here and you had to, you know, we had to put it together. And the summer was really important. I didn't have a summer my first year. I didn't meet the team my first year. I got the job April 30th. I didn't meet the team until July 20th. I mean, I don't know if that's ever happened in the history of college basketball, you know, that you have a press conference, and then you don't meet your team for almost two months or that's crazy, you know? And so we had this summer, this past summer, eight weeks to build and develop chemistry. And every coach has strengths and weaknesses. I'm, I'm the perfect example. I'm not, you know, I got weaknesses. Uh, I think one of my strengths is building chemistry, you know, and having a really good relationship with my players on and off the court so I can coach them hard on the court. And that develops in the summer. And, um, you know, I live right across the street from Wake Forest. Players come over there. I've talked about that. Um, All that stuff kind of goes hand in hand, having them check in the office every day, just so you see them. Um, You know, it's kind of that secret sauce you're talking about. You know, you just keep keep putting – you know, you just keep cooking it. You keep going, and and then you get them to play – you know, the way we get them to play, and that's just by caring about each other and sharing the ball. And there was a vid- there was a picture in the uh, Winston Journal um, this weekend of my players, the joy they had after a walk on Miles Lester, or this is actually on scholarship now, made it <laughs> three. That was my favorite moment of the year because just showed how much they care about each other and how they enjoy the success of other people, not just themselves. You mentioned at one point that you were you 
had guys sitting with different players, sitting with moving guys around at lunch. So yeah. they didn't all sit with the same guys. That's yeah. very intentional. And that's not something, you know, that you somewhere you came up with that idea. Like there's a lot of little things you've done. Where'd you get that one? And where did you come up with some of this stuff? You know, what? look, that, that, I don't have any original thoughts. The only original thought I have is gritty, grimy, tough together. And I just said that one time because I was mad. Um, <laughs> I got that from Pat Riley. Um, he used to do, he does that on the, he did that as a head coach on the plane. As you know, in the NBA, those oh, guys, yeah. they're off. Um, so I learned that from him reading uh, about his success. The, the checking in the office, we did that at Texas A&M when I worked for Billy Gillespie. And we have 55,000 students at Texas A&M, and it's the biggest campus and one of the biggest campuses in the country. So if you didn't see the players, you were never going to see them. So you had to get them in the office, right? And so I, I didn't make that one up either, you know. But the one thing about with, with Pat Riley, too, with putting them next to each other, like I'll even intentionally do it. Like if somebody, you know, has a little dust up in practice, they're mad at each other, I'll make them sit by each other when they have dinner. You know, and, and I'll make them, you know, obviously put their phone away. So they got to have a real conversation. Like I grew up in a time when, believe it or not, I didn't have cable television until I went to college. Um, if that TV was on during dinner, I, my dad would have probably burnt the house down. <laughs> the phone rang. You didn't answer it. Um, you know, he'd yell at the phone. Who's calling? I don't know, Dad. I mean, we don't have caller ID, you know. Um <laughs> We had a family supper. Yeah. Every day my dad came home from work, you know, and so some of those, it's pretty good values, in my opinion. And, um, you know, I, it's nothing, nothing I really made up. It's just things I've acquired as I've, you know, coached for 33 years. Sure. Um, and obviously we, we could all see the results. I was curious, particularly, uh, about uh, the home games. I mean, you guys won your first 10. I think you're, yeah. you're uh, 15 and two now. Does that sound right at home? Yeah. Um, you've got pretty, pretty good. Yeah. Um, you've got senior night coming up. Mm -hmm. I've covered wake, been to wake games when there were maybe 3000 people in that building. Yeah. And I was there for the Duke game. And when the tie dye was back, there's people in the back row of the upper deck. Yeah. Um, you know, I, you, you kind of felt the banner smiling down again, you know, yeah. Crosser and all those guys. What's that meant to you to, to put to put that kind of life back in this program that does have such tradition and such really strong support to me was dormant, not dead. Um, right. The community and, and the Oracles and all of them. What, what, what's that meant to you? Everything. That's why I came here. Uh, I knew that, that before I came here. Um, it was a lot of it resembled East Tennessee State when I went there. They'd had a lot of success, and then it kind of went dormant. It's a good word. They just needed a little spark, right? It just needed some hope. And that's – I knew that coming here. Listen, I knew they loved basketball, all right? I knew the, I knew the tradition, and Skip and Dave and on and on and on and all the players. I knew it. I knew it. And I knew people wanted to come and I needed hope, but we needed to give them hope. It's just like I tell my players every time we play at home, it's not the crowd's responsibility that gets you going. It's your responsibility to get the crowd going. And I, I really believe the same thing about marketing. You know, we can do all the kiss cams and baby races and the best marketing tool is winning. The best marketing tool is 
putting a team on the court that's fun to watch, that you can relate to, that play hard and share the ball and have joy playing with each other. To me, that's the best marketing tool that there is. And so I feel really good about where we're at. Now, it's hard to get people back in this day and age because once they don't come, they find different ways to spend their money, in my opinion. And, it, and you know, they go off and they do other things. And then how do you get them back? You know, well, they're not going to just come back because you won seven in a row in the non-conference. But I needed my team to get confidence, too. And I needed my team to um, learn about each other, you know, and not get their brains beat in every game, okay? And so, you know, I talked to John about Curry about that, our schedule. I talked to the league about our schedule. And they all agreed, this is how you got to do it to build, right? And you and then to get in the tournament, if you're going to have that kind of schedule, you got you to gotta win. You got to win big, you know? And and um, I know that. And so um, – I, I'm proud of that, you know, of getting the fans back in here. We're not – we're close. We're not it, where we can, can be or going to be. But, man, we've really kind of we, – we've ignited it. it. The crowd was really engaged Saturday night against Louisville. And um, I don't know. what I got the box score around here somewhere. It says we had 8,139 in there. Well, that's more than 3,000 that you were talking yeah. about. No, and, and I think you're selling yourself a little bit short because I think some of your willingness to get on the chopper or do some of these videos, I mean, like that stuff, you know, yeah. it's, it's 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 given the program, like nothing against the players, but it helps when the coach gives the program some personality. And, and some coaches, good coaches who have good teams, aren't willing to kind of put themselves out there like that. You have shown very mm. little hesitation. Well, I learned from Bruce Pearl, you know, um, you know, you learn when you work for three final four coaches, you know, you learn what to do, what not to do. You learn what fits your personality. And I think when you say that about some coaches aren't comfortable doing, it, I think that's probably more just that's their personality. Sure, I'm, sure. I'm my dad's child. My dad could talk to this wall over here. Okay. And, and um, now he's passed away, you know, almost three years ago now, but you know, he was an electrician on a construction site. He could talk to anybody. I, I get that from my dad. And, I'm not afraid to make fun of myself. And, and I think it's, I think really this at the end of the day, it's about having fun. And when I quit having fun, I'm not doing this anymore because it's too hard. Okay. And uh, I also think it's about the fans. It's about the students. And that's when I, when I worked for coach Pearl, that's what I, I learned a lot, but I, that's one thing I really learned from him. It was how every day he woke up, he was really most concerned about his fan base he didn't, he didn't even know how to turn on a computer, okay? He didn't know how to do email, internet. He he woke up, like, he would speak to the Women's Garden Club, and then he'd go do a Zig Ziglar deal, you know? I mean, he was just all over the place. And so, I mean, there was a lot to be learned from that. Now, you have to do it with your own personality. I don't – I like Christmas, so putting on the Cousin, cousin Eddie hat, that wasn't a problem for me, you know? I, I mean, ugly Christmas sweater, but whatever. Yeah. You know, um, the motorcycle thing – they wanted to be last year when college game day came here right during the pandemic, played Clemson a year ago. They wanted me to drive the Harley out on the field. And I said, no, no, I need some practice. I only had a, I only had a, I only had a mini bike when I was a kid. So um, I got on there, but I didn't start it, but uh, yeah, it's part of it. It's like I went out on the campus a lot and this year and handed out unfrozen popsicles and water and, you know, um, I think it's important that the people understand that 
I'm just another guy. I'm not, I'm not standoffish. You could come talk to me. You know, I went to the Lion King last night in Greensboro and people coming up to me, talking to me, even though I had a mask on, it must be my bald head. Um, I don't mind that, man. I'm from Lone Tree, Iowa. You know, I graduated with 32 people. Um, I'm just a normal guy like anybody else. You said you didn't have cable growing up, but were you a Cubs fan like a lot of Iowans? Uh-oh. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go opposite. My dad took us to Cardinal games. Oh, um, okay. My very first game was in 74. I saw Bob Gibson pitch. I saw Joe Torre play third base. Lou Brock. Ted Simmons, Mike Tyson, Reggie Smith, Bake McBride. And then um, when I was 12, I, I switched allegiances a little bit. And I went to the Phillies because I like Schmidt, Lazinski, and Carlton. And the highlight of my life was I caught a foul ball barehanded at Bush on third baseline off Lazinski, uh, barehanded it. And I, if you look at these, I got these scars on my hand, these seams, that's from that ball. Is that right? Uh, then Schmidt Lazinski went back to back that game, um, home runs. Uh, I was a good baseball player. I played in college. We um, got third in the World Series my senior year. You know, NEIA, I was a pitcher. So I have a strong baseball background. Now, my friends were all Cub fans, and I didn't understand the, the essence of the Cubs until I worked for Porter Moser at Illinois State. He had Cubs tickets, and Brian Baroni's family had Cubs tickets. So I went up there, and I was blown away. And then two years ago, when or three years ago, when Nurse Nick won the net world title with the Raptors, he threw out the first pitch in Wrigley. So my wife and I and kids went up and spent the weekend with them in Wrigleyville, right across the street. And so I have a new uh, appreciation of the Cubs because it's a great venue, but I actually grew up a Cardinal fan. Okay. Try not to hold that part against you. Uh, you've mentioned the coaches, some of the coaches you've worked for, some of the conferences that you've worked in. I do have a picture on my phone for various reasons of you being interviewed after winning the SOCON title in 2020. And I will say I had, I was going to pick you guys to beat whoever, yeah. whoever you, I didn't care. They could have put you up against Gonzaga. You guys. Right. Um, the veteran all for all, all the reasons I don't need to tell you, but. What have what have been your impressions? And obviously, you can throw out twenty twenty one because it was a weird year. But you've been in fuller buildings this year, uh, for the most part. What's been your impressions of the ACC compared to kind of what you expected? Because it does have this sort of reputation. I love it, uh, and I've I, you know what I'm pretty good reference because I've coached in the Big Twelve and the SEC. Um, I love the venues on the road, the passion of the fans. I was blown away by the Carrier Dome. I've never been there. And I usually, like I said, you know, a couple weeks ago, I've been in some really crappy domes. You can, you can say it because you've already said it on the shit Yeah, shit <laughs> dome. Um, you know, I just thought it was an unbelievable environment, you know, and, and the fans were really great. They were into it. I was blown away at Cameron because I thought the fans were highly professional. You know, they were just cheering for their team, cheering for the team, man, and with a lot of passion. You know, Virginia, wow. You know, what a nice building. I've been in the building before. I never played in there. Packed up. Virginia Tech was sold out. Louisville has an unbelievable on-campus So I got to be one of the nicest, if not the nicest, you know, in the country. I've been to Florida State, Georgia Tech before. Um, you know, Miami, you know, it's a hard place. It's, you know, it's uh, not real big, but they get, you know, a pretty good fan base. I, I just – I love that. I love the coaches. 
Uh, I know there's a changing of the guard, and maybe that's one of the reasons, too, why it was timing for me was okay to, to come to Wake. I'm not going to lie to you. That's some conversations I have with my agent about and time. You know, there'll be a change, and there'll be a time when Mike Young and I will be the old dogs in the league, you know, and um, that's okay, you know. And so I love the coaches. I love the camaraderie. That doesn't mean that we don't try to, you know, beat each other because we do, but – there's a genuine respect, I believe, amongst the coaches, and I like that. I don't think it's like that in every league. Um, and then just the tradition, you know, of <laughs> all you got to do is watch that show they put out. I haven't watched it yet um, about the ACC tournament, and just you understand the, that history and tradition. I, I didn't grow up in the ACC. I grew up in the Big Ten. Yeah, you know, me too. They didn't, have, they didn't have a conference tournament, you know, and so um, – but I was always aware of the ACC, so I'm I'm I feel really I'm the only person I believe I'm pretty sure from the state of Iowa to be a head coach in the ACC. That's 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 important to me, um, and so uh, yeah, I've, I've loved being in it, you know, and and I think you know we'll continue to improve. Uh, we're going to need to, you know, and some of the uh, these younger guys are going to have to step up here. Have you had? I, I, did you have an in-person coaches meeting when Roy was still around? No, everything was Zoom. I'll be, you know, this is. <laughs> what was your What was your first meeting like when you were in the room with those guys? I haven't had one. Okay. No, I think it'll be um, this 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 April. Okay? And, and, and yeah, I think that's the first one. Now I will tell you this: I did a screenshot. I ain't gonna lie to you. The very first one, I was sitting in my house in Johnson City, Tennessee, because I didn't even come to. I didn't move till July one. Okay, there was no reason to be here. I took a screenshot. I don't know how to on my Mac. I had to ask my children how to do it. And I took a screenshot of everybody on the screen because I wanted to have video. I wanted to have evidence that I was actually on this in the same league with these people. Okay. And so for about I don't know, month, month and a half, I don't think I said a word. And now now they can shut me up. So they're probably tired by now. Yeah. Well, that's fine. I mean, you'll you'll still have behind to deal with for another 32 to 40 years. So oh, you'll outlast me. I promise you. You'll outlast me. <laughs> you mentioned you mentioned tradition in the tournament. Obviously, Randolph Childress is still around a little bit doing some TV now. But there are, I mean, obviously, Wake Forest has some of the names that really resonate. Childress, Duncan, Paul, Rogers. Have you been able to meet some of those guys and get to know them at all and kind of interact yeah. with them? Not not all of them yet. Um, Chris, let's start with Chris. I mean, I've met him and CJ and his mom and dad live here. So I and he's still very engaged and he's given a very generous donation for us to have a new locker room. Um, you know, I met Tim. I went to the Hall of Fame induction, flew up there and uh Randolph was there and um you know Coach Odom. Coach Odom has been around a lot for practice. Um you know, obviously, Randolph worked. We worked together the first year, and he's moved on to television and doing an unbelievably good job. I'm not surprised. You know, um, I met Ish Smith. Smith really like him. John Collins, I've met him. Uh, um, I'm sure there's other ones. I haven't met Rodney yet. You know, and it's a little tricky because of COVID and yeah. health situation. But I really want to meet him. I really want to go down and visit with Billy Packer. Uh, I've obviously talked to Mark, but I want to go sit and face to face because that's how I remember the ACC when I was a kid in Iowa was um, him doing the games and them doing the Big Ten ACC All Star Game in Cedar Rapids. 
when I was in high school, uh, him and Enberg and Packer and, and Al McGuire. So I like to, I would like to meet him. Um, after that, I'm probably forgetting somebody, but you know, I try to text these guys, you know, and it's, listen, here's the thing about Luke too. And we gotta be aware of everybody's gotta be aware of this. It's, as important as those NBA guys are, and they are, there's still lots of other people that played here. Yeah. Success stories outside of the NBA. And I try to really resonate that with the program. And I always want those people to come back and talk to my players, you know, Charlie Davis, you know, he spoke to, to my players about his story and his path. Um, there's a lot of really talented people that didn't play in the NBA. They're doing well in life. And so you got to remember those people too. Yeah, no, it's, it's, but it's, it's kind of cool to kind of feel like some of those people are gravitating back to the program a little bit, which, which happens. You know, and I, again, learning coach Cal, Calipari always talks about it's a player's program, right? It, it is. It's not a coach's program. This is my job. It's not my alma mater. My alma mater is Southern Arkansas University Mule Riders. Okay. Yo. Um, so, but it's about the players and then their experience. And, and I'm real big on putting banners, you know, for championships up so they can come back and relish that moment and look at that banner because that's their time. You know, and so, um, yeah, it's it, it is important to have the players back. It's uh, to hear their message, to hear their story, and and understand that it's about them and not about the coach. Wanted to ask you about next year. Mm-hmm. So I, I know with COVID, eligibility is weird, yeah. but technically, you have, I believe, four senior starters, other yeah. than Jake. Right. Um, you, you know, and, 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 and so how do you, if they, if those guys don't come back, right. if, how do you sort of rebuild on the fly again? And, and, and what's kind of your approach to that? Yeah. Let me start from like how I look at recruiting. Okay. And I look at recruiting kind of in phases and dimensions. Um, I believe high school recruiting is always number one because it happens first, right? I mean, we're going to be out in the spring. We've been out all, all winter, Fall, we're going to go out in the summer. And so when this early signing period comes around, you try to sign the very best high school players that you can get. Now, I've never been one to settle. Okay, so if I can't get the guys that I want, I don't just go sign somebody just to be done. And there's guys out there to do that. And you can sell your butt right out of your job. Okay, and so I'm not one. I don't panic. Okay, now, you know, we signed Zach Keller early. He's at the top of the list, 6'10", I love him. Um, now, you know, obviously Wake has other – we have other variables that we have to deal with in recruiting with academics. And um, and so that narrows the list. I'm not going to recruit as much as I love junior college. I'm not recruiting junior college here. I knew that coming here, no big deal. And so we try to go and we sign the very best high school players we can, like last year, you know, Lucas Taylor, Robert McCray, Carter Witt early, right? Then in the spring – you still recruit some guys that are still left. Then there's coaching changes, and sometimes there's high school players that become available because the coach is gone. And so you keep a thumb on that. And we're recruiting some couple of really good high school players still right now. And then you're looking international. You're looking maybe a prep school. I don't know. Kid, it blossomed late. And then after that, I think you look at the transfer portal. Okay. I don't think you're building your entire team on. I've never had any 
inclination of building the entire program on the transfer pool. What happened, and we talked about this earlier, I needed to give this, I needed some hope. And I also didn't want to throw six freshmen to the wolves. All right. I have six really good freshmen that, that, you know, we don't, they don't get a lot of credit, but I didn't think it was fair to them either to throw them into the ACC and say, here, go get your brains beat in for a couple of three years and hope you're good in year three. By then you've lost your fan base more and I'm in trouble, you know? And, and I talked to, to Jeff Bazelic about some of those things when I, before I got the job, you know, I wasn't just taking the job blind now. Mm. No, I, I may look dumb, but I'm not that dumb. And, you know, and so um, I do all, I've always had a plan in recruiting. I'm always, I'm hands-on in recruiting, very hands-on. I'm, I'm, I, I look, I'm not a micromanager at all with the program, but I am when it comes to recruiting and building this team. And so, um, you know, we were patient. We got Hadeen late in May. We got Matthew Marsh in May. Okay. Um, it's okay. The, the, that's just the way it's changed. Like now when I listen, you and I've been doing this. Well, it wasn't like this when I started, but if you don't adapt and you don't change and this, you're not going to make it. So I think again, I know it, it, it's just one of those things. I think there's phases to the deal, you know, and then you, then when you're looking at the one, the transfers, how does he fit into what you're doing? What is everybody saying around him? Why he's leaving? on and on and on and on. And those are a lot of phone calls, a lot of time that you got to do. I'm amazed at the guys that leave my program that I never get a call from the other, anybody. Hmm. Like that shocks me. I would not be happy with my staff. I wouldn't let it happen. Yeah. If somebody was leaving somewhere and I, we didn't talk to the head coach on the other team or the assistants or, or me personally. Now that doesn't mean that, you know, I know there's agendas and this and that, but I want to hear what, why, why. I mean, Juanus and Jake, their coach was gone. Okay. That's an easy one. Right. Right. You know, but if somebody's leaving a program that's averaging double digits, I want to know why. Okay. All right. Let's talk about your big last question for you because yeah. I want to be mindful of your time here. You did get one transfer who's certainly outside expectations. He's completely confounded. Did you know this was coming? With Alondis, no. And and you mentioned today that he went from the sixth or seventh option at Oklahoma to the first at Wake Forest. But he also looks like he's been the first option his entire career. Like you wouldn't watching from the outside, you wouldn't know the difference. What what, what happened was, with him? Well, I think he was in junior college. You know, he was, and I know his junior college coach Steve Christensen. He was a first team All American. and They won the sure. national championship. But what happens in junior college, and, and I have a lot of experience in this, you can't go for the name on a jersey you have to find the right fit because you don't have time. High school kids have time. Juco kids don't. And typically, in my opinion, and, and I have had a lot of Division One basketball players in junior college that have gone on to play Division One. I, I, my advice, sound advice, was always take the highest level recruiting and go a step below and you'll have a great career two years. But most kids ain't going to listen to that, right? And there's very – I've had some that didn't matter. Okay, Alondis, you know – and I'm listen, Lon Kruger's a Hall of Fame coach. He's way better coach than me. But you have to find the right system. You have to find the right opportunity to play right away. Okay. And so, you know, they got Brady Manick. They got um, Austin Reeves. They got good. You know, is that the right mix for him? I, I mean, it didn't end up being that way. And um, the big thing with him and recruiting him was 
there was no real, you know, when you recruit those, these kind of guys, it's not about tricking them and all the fluff. It's about how are you going to play me? And he wanted to have the ball in his hands. Yeah. He wanted to play with the ball in his hands, and deservedly so. You know, so, so what limited film I could see of him doing that, he looked pretty unselfish. Now, he can really pass that basketball. Yes, he can. Yeah. But that was the first thing that I noticed in the first couple of weeks of June practice was, A, Jake LaRavia could guard anybody on the court because he could really move his feet. And, two, Alondis was an unbelievable passer. Like, one, maybe the best I've ever coached, maybe. I, you know, and so I'm like, wow. You know, that's those that's unselfish play. And then we played in scrimmage South Carolina, second probably third week October. Hey man, he's getting downhill and scoring at the basket at will and against Frank's teams who are you know tough, defend, and he's taking that contact. I'm like, whoo, okay. You know, and so I'm not gonna tell you that I thought he'd lead the league in assists scoring assists, because I'd be you'd laugh at me, right? Um, you know, I'm not Nostradamus here. Okay. I mean, it, it's just, um, a lot of things had to work and, and, and they have, and, you know, does that mean every player does that? I don't know. I think, but I had one, you know, my first year at East Tennessee state, I had G-Long Gwynn. He yeah, averaged three points for Mick and Mick always says he's going to buy me dinner, but he don't. Um, and he averaged 19 for me. So I've had experience in this, you know, um, we'll see as it moves forward. And, um, but no, 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 no. I'm not going to take any credit as far as thinking that when I signed him. I thought we signed a darn, a darn good player. And I thought I signed we signed a guy that fitted, fit our needs, what we were looking for. A big, strong, physical, ACC-level guard. Yeah, well, he's he's been all of that. And uh, Wake Forest 22-8, and eight, hosting NC State on Wednesday. Steve, thank you very much yeah. for your time. We'll see you in Brooklyn. I was looking forward to it. You know, there's always some good food up there too, right? I've never, I've been in the Madison Square Garden and played there a couple of times, but I've never played in Brooklyn, so I'm looking forward to it. It's different, but it's good. Thank you, good. Steve. Thank you.